Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the epistle reading. Maybe may be seated. In the name of Jesus. Petey and pals, so panicky. Throw the deadbolt and throw all the furniture we have in this room at that door, against that door. Why are Petey and pals so panicky? Well, Caiaphas and company just uh, got the Christ crucified, and now Petey and pals predict that spears and spikes will pierce them too. Now, they heard the Spice Girls' uh, Easter acclamation. <laughs> yeah, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen but all they see, bad news. No hope whatsoever. They actually chalk up uh, the uh, woman's message, the Spice Girls' message, to hysteria. Oh, those Spice Girls. Oh, they're just so emotional. Letting their emotions get the best of them. Come on. Dead men don't rise. Especially the crucified kind. They're goners. And we're next. We're next. We just know we're next. We're followers of the one that just got crucified. Oh, it was such a good run. But now, it's the end of the road. No future. No life. No hope. Uh, but then Petey <laughs> pulls a 180 with his messaging, eh? Yeah, he does. You heard it in the epistle reading. Uh, Petey pens an epistle of hope. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Living hope. Living. Living hope. Living. Hope alive because, because, Jesus is alive. Petey and pals, uh, they get eyes on the resurrected Easter morning, Easter morning Jesus. We hear that in the gospel reading, eh? Right? No deadbolt can keep the resurrected Jesus out. He just, you know, pops up, and so does hope. John 20, 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Why so happy? Why are Petey and Pals so happy? Where there was only a brick wall, now there's a way forward, a future for all. Where there was only death and the grave, now there is capital L-I-F-E, life. And one who can save, where there was only a nope, 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 nope. Now there is only hope, 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 hope. Why so happy? Why so filled with joy, GLC? Because we got the same hope as Petey and Pals. That's right. We have a living hope 
that's conceived at the font, confirmed by fire, and consummated at that last day grand finale. Petey, this is what he preaches so powerfully and passionately in the epistle reading this morning. Hope conceived. Hope confirmed. Hope consummated. Hope is on the go. And so are we because we are a people of H-O-P-E. Hope. People of hope. So let's go. First, hope conceived. The conception of this living hope was in our rebirth at the font. We are born into hope. That's what Pastor Peter says in 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Blessed be the God and Father. Now, this is how many Jewish benedictions and prayers begin. Blessed be God. Blessed be the Almighty One. Blessed be the Rock. Blessed be the Creator. But then Petey, a Christian, affies this benediction by finishing the sentence with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, only Christians can add that little bit, right, at the end. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord over life, but most especially Lord over D-E-A-T-H, death. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The Lord has triumphed over death. He has trampled down death. He has tackled death for good forever. This is Messiah's mission. This is the very reason why God the Father sent his Son into this world in the first place. For God so loved the world that he gave. Gave, gave, gave his only begotten Son. That word gave is loaded with the cross. It is pregnant, filled with Good Friday. It is the language of Good Friday. God the Father gave his Son, loaded with our sin, into death so that Jesus could die our death and deliver us out of death. Alleluia. We needed deliverance. Like biggie time? <laughs> like huge? Uh, Death is all that we knew. Death is all we expected in the Adams family. A family of, nope, we deserved it. Couldn't get ourselves out of it. Stuck in the muck, in the yuck. We were trapped in death's deep, dark, dank dungeon. We were actually born into sin's shackles, as King David reminds us of in Psalm 51. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But Easter morning makes possible a family switcheroo. Oh yeah, family switcheroo. 
See, God the Father had mercy on us in raising his son Jesus from the dead and thereby swung wide open the doors to the Father's house. Opened wide the way into a family, a new family. His family. And you're in it. So am I. With three splashes of hope, we have been washed into this family of hope. All God's work, His choice, His doing, His decision. I mean, what occurred at the font for you and for me is just as much a miracle as the Father saying in Genesis 1, let there be light. So I am looking right now at a bunch of miracles. I'm looking at a bunch of miracles right now. And you're looking at one, too. All of us miracle babies in the Jesus family. All of us born into this unending life with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and with one another our brothers and sisters, all of us, all of us, expecting now an inheritance that is like nothing else, like no other. As Petey explains in 1 Peter 1, verses 4 and 5, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. No matter what we have done or not done, we expect, expect, what? An inheritance. An inheritance. Not just any inheritance. We get the same inheritance as Jesus. Wrap your brain around that for a moment. And why is that? Because uh, God has no grandchildren. Only children. He's our father. We're brothers and sisters. That's because Jesus is our sibling. He's our brother. All of us siblings of big brother Jesus. Oh, there's a brother of Jesus. Oh, there's a sister. A brother. Oh, I see a sister over there. All of us siblings of Jesus, and because we're all siblings, because we're all part of this Jesus family, we are now all expecting the Jesus family inheritance. Which, by the way, is nothing like this world's inheritances. Oh, man. Way different. The inheritances in this world, slices of a pie. And the inheritances here in this world, they are, uh, well, plunderable, pollutable, spoilable. They are. They're all piecemeal. Piecemeal. They all got to be divvied up, right? And that always works with our families, right? Always works. Praise be to God that the Jesus family inheritance a whole. No slices. We all get the entire pie. 
Now, I know mathematically that makes absolutely no sense. We're going to leave that part to God, okay? And this is great. We don't have to actually try to protect and guard this Jesus family inheritance. There's no, like, jockeying for it, calculating for it. It's a gift that we're waiting for. This inheritance is guarded by the greatest security system in the cosmos. It's stored up for us where? Heaven. Can't be snatched away by anything or anyone. So we get to look at all the demons, all the diseases, all the doubts, all the death that surrounds us, and we get to say, can't touch this. Can't touch my Jesus family inheritance. It's mine. It's mine. I'm just waiting for it. And we're going to get it, folks. The Father will dish out this inheritance. It's inevitable. On the last day, Jesus will welcome all of us with, with, with such warmth and hospitality, saying, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, come. Come inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Come, come, everything is ready. And we will stroll out of our graves with big grins, huge smiles, skipping like deer. And we will enter into our inheritance. We will actually be in the inheritance. I'm not misspeaking here. We're going to be in the inheritance. Because the inheritance is, is the new heavens and the, the new earth. The Garden of Eden 2.0 kicked up several notches. Everything new, every tear wiped from our eye. All that's broken, put back together better than ever. All the wrongs righted. Every single boo-boo wound healed. For good, forever. This is not wishful thinking. We're going to make it, folks. This is our hope. Our living hope that is birthed at the font and fed and nourished at this table. You know, what's the saying? Uh, uh, the family that uh, eats together, stays together. Uh, can't be truer than at this, at this meal. As we eat and drink our way to the Jesus family inheritance, there will be bumps in the road, you know, Michigan potholes, okay? Everything isn't going to be hunky-dory. There will be struggles. There will be actually, uh, well, the heat will get turned up on us. Yeah. The confirmation of this living hope is in our refining by fire. That's what PD prepares us for in, our, in this epistle before us this, this morning. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, faith here is what's in here. Trust. Trust in, 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 in. Jesus, thank you. You know I expect responses. 
I just kept saying in until someone said something. Okay. Trust in Jesus, our dependency, our dependency on the one and only Jesus who suffered our sin to death on the cross and thereby shattered the power of death like a boss. That, dear friends, is the best news in the cosmos. They can't top this gospelly good news. Even the Lions, you know, winning the Super Bowl or the Tigers winning the World Series, that doesn't even come close. Now that is some wishful thinking. I know. I get it. I pick on them way too much. Please forgive me. Dear friends, there's a lot, though, that can distract us from this good news. It's awfully comfy and cozy for us Christians in this country. I don't, think, I don't think anyone here woke up this morning and, and you know, thought, am I going to get blown to bits for going to 303 Ruth Street this morning? Am I going to be gunned down, murdered, for being a Christian today? Now, there are millions of Christians that, that woke up thinking just that. In India, China, Africa. Did you know that there have been more Christians murdered for the faith in the last 100 years than in the first 1,900 years of the Christian church? Now I get it. We don't have that kind of violence here in this country. But, uh, you know, we have difficulties. We have fiery trials. The fiery trials that come at us, though, are often subtle. And these fiery trials, dear friends, expose our love, our fear, our trust in our Hamiltons, our homes, our health. Trust in our Hamiltons. Money, money, money. 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 <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Trust in our Hamiltons, audited by the IRS, medical bills piling up. We get fired from a company before we can retire because they want to save a buck. We can't go on the vacation we want because, well, just the prices of everything going up, 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 up. Our portfolio is getting, you know, hammered, just beaten up. As though it's in the ring with Rocky Balboa. Trust in our homes. The empty half of the bed at night. The empty nest. The empty chair at holidays. The empty house that we come home to. Trust in our health. Loss of control with the diagnosis, loss of eyesight, loss of the car keys, loss of memory, mobility, loss of independence. These are the fiery trials that grieve us and get us asking a question, what am I trusting? What am I trusting? See, in these moments of testing, we realize, you know, 
how little security the Hamiltons, the home, the health, actually give us. Not dependable. They fail and flail. They don't give us what they promise. We're let down. They don't give us hope. They're perishable. Dear friends, let's start seeing the fiery trials in our lives as, 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 as necessary. As necessary. There are actually alarm clocks that uh, wake us from our sleepy spiritual slumber so that we, we yawn, stretch, rub our eyes, and refocus. Refocus them on the greatest good in the universe, and that is Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Trust in him. That trust in Jesus is the most precious thing. That we have. Because that trust is in the one who endured our sin, endured our sicknesses, endured our, our damnation, endured our God-forsakenness, endured our hell and death, endured all of that, and he strolled out of the cemetery. He lives, he lives, he lives. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And so shall we. So shall we. We will. Because we are not alone in our suffering. It's Jesus who drops right on in. <laughs> he places himself smack dab in our suffering. And he confirms the hope. The living hope that we have. See, with Jesus, we do have hope. Because he knows the way out of every single suffering that we're going through. He knows it. With him by our side, we have the victorious way through every single victoria, every single fiery trial, onward and upward, into the honor and the praise and the glory which we will experience in full on the last day. This is the goal of our living hope. See, the consummation of this living hope, it will be in our resurrection at the last day grand finale. Listen to Peter. Petey. The Apostle Petey, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, we don't see Jesus, uh, you know, in the same way as Petey and Pels that first Easter evening. But we do see Jesus on the second Sunday after Easter. We do. Sacramentally, we see him. He pops up with his wounds. His wounds. And with his wounds, his words, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Take, drink, this is my blood shed for you. We eat and we drink and we're glad. We're glad. We're so full of joy. We have the same joy as Petey and the pals did 2,000 years ago in the upper room that first Easter evening. 
Joy because well, we know that uh, every fiery trial will only last a while. Every fiery trial will only last a while. Every fiery trial will only last a while. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And when he comes again, then this living hope will reach its goal. We won't need hope anymore. Life, hope. Living, though. Living, that's all that will, living will, will continue. Living is actually all that there will be. Living where? In the Father's mansion. As his beloved family for good forever. And there won't be any uh, uh, deadbolts. You can, you, can, you can look high and low for deadbolts in the Father's mansion. You, you won't find any. Why? Nothing to keep out. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing but goodness and purity and bliss. Nothing but Jesus. And we will see Jesus with our own eyes. We will. We will see Jesus standing in our resurrected bods, and we will say with Thomas and Petey and Pals, my Lord and my God. What a future. What a life. Got hope? Got hope? Yeah, you do. So do I. A living hope. Conceived at the font, confirmed by fire, and will be consummated at that last day grand finale. We can't wait, and so we just, you know, we pray. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.